Hi, I'm Danny Belvin. And I'm Debika Brown. And we are biracial unicorns. And something wicked this way comes. Yes, <laughs> it's the season. Papa. <laughs> if you aren't a mini-sode listener, mm-hmm. this month we are doing our spooky sodes, mm-hmm. where instead of our normal mini-sode format, we have been telling scary stories. So last week was Damika, next week is me. But before we get into our full regular episode this week, I wanted to do a little bit of an update on the haunting of D'Amica's light. (laughs) D'Amica, can you give like a a summary for anyone who may have missed the mini-sode what I'm talking about? So you guys, so we're fledgling podcasters, right? So we're both in our closets. So have that beautiful, happy image. And so of course, because of that, we both have to have artificial lighting in there. I have had this light for a very, very long time. It's plugged into its own charging bank. So it's not plugged into a wall. It's not plugged into a computer. It has its own unique light energy source. Last week, I talked about a, a ghost and a haunted hospital. And of course, we got into the mood. We both had, you know, low lighting and we're just completely ready and my light keeps going out. Now remember, my bank is completely charged. I have had no issues. In fact, the light, I've been using it for assignments. It's fine. So we get it back on track. Like, what is it? How many times, Danny, when I go to speak? Uh, it's just the it's just the first time. Yeah. Yeah. So when I was editing the episode, mm-hmm. I noticed this really creepy, weird sound before Tamika started speaking. I left it in. So there's a little <laughs> Easter egg if you want to go back and listen, just because it was so weird. But as I was editing, I did like isolate it and pull it out. And it was just like super creepy. <laughs> And here's the thing too, Danny has has done so much of our editing and we talk we joke that she knows my voice so well. So this is I can years. recognize it in waveform. <laughs> yeah. Like she knows my voice, she knows the background sound, she knows all my horrible habits. So that was bizarre. So when Danny told me that, I thought that was also strange because I have a dog named Pepper. And that particular day when I record, Pepper's normally doing her nap her nap dog best life thing but when we were done recording that day she was by my front door on guard like I thought my husband was in the house I thought someone was in the house so I was like oh husband like but there was no one there her ears were completely up and was just literally on guard at the door and did not rest and she followed me for the next hour in the house just like trailing behind me I thought she was yeah so I thought she had some anxiety I know sometimes our neighbors who work on cars they have a lot of loud sounds but it was fine they were actually quite quiet that day and I thought oh maybe I missed something but it was strange for a whole hour she did not leave my side she followed me to the bathroom to the kitchen like she just would not leave my side that day so it was a very heightened weird day yeah <laughs> so that's our own little spooky happenings yeah. here at biracial unicorns mm-hmm. so go back and listen and who knows what sort of easter eggs are going to come up in next week's spooky zone <gasps> I, but yes. maybe there will be some weird sounds in that one too. Who who's to say? But it's it is it's October is our favorite season. It really is. I feel like our our powers are heightened. <laughs> it's we just enjoy it. It's getting darker. It's getting colder, and 
we still don't know what October and Halloween and festivities are going to look like, but we're here to enjoy it, damn it. <laughs> and so that's what we're going to do today. We decided to go full on and enjoy a scary movie, and we're going to talk about it today. But we're going to include one of our also favorite things to talk about, which is race. <laughs> so those yes. worlds collide. Yes, there has been this recent resurgence of horror movies and social issues, particularly race. I think we've talked about this before, but horror, sci-fi, and fantasy, these sort of genre fictions, they really do well at, at kind of holding up a mirror to the world in a, in unexpected ways. And that's the root of all of these things, of all, all the horror uh, within horror as a genre. And of course, that means that horror needs to address big social issues of, of our day. And as we've talked about on the podcast, ad nauseum, this resurgence of Black Lives Matter recently has been a huge drive uh, within pop culture. All of a sudden, a lot of people, a lot more people were talking about race. A lot, a lot more people were talking about like these societal issues surrounding race. So, I think it's it's very intentional that Jordan Peele's work in horror is pretty rooted in that in that landscape. And so today we'll we'll be talking about his most recent production as a producer, Monkey Paw Productions, and as a writer, and that is the latest chapter in the Candyman series. Mmm, Candyman. 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 <laughs> Girl, though, I, I'm not you... going to say, like, uh, there's yeah, a mirror yeah. right next to me, so yeah, I'm going to just, just, like, like not. <laughs> I'm going to stop there. Can we not, did, did we not just watch the movie? <laughs> Do we not need to be on the white people stuff right now? <laughs> not today. I'm not. Don't don't succumb to like. No, no, yeah, no. Um, I, now that I remember that that mirror is there, I'm just yeah, going to have to like yeah. turn my body so that I don't mm-hmm. say it into yeah. the mirror. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and, and we we say this in jest and fun, but we've talked about the importance of Jordan Peele within the genre. We're going to get a little bit more detailed into him, but this resurgence this continuation of Candyman is actually is just that it's not its own entity it really continues the line from the 1992 movie of Candyman which did you did you grow up with that movie was it a, like on one of the regular things that you had on your Rolodex it was not a regular thing I saw it when I was very young too young <laughs> to have seen it for Girl, sure yes! <laughs> but I don't think I saw it that many times, but definitely like the imagery of the hook and uh. of candy and just the knowledge of, of the whole situation like stayed with me for a long time. But I know it wasn't like a regular, a regular movie for me. My my parents didn't really like want me to watch scary movies, <laughs> but somehow I think I watched it at someone else's house. I think I was being babysat and i this was also the same house where i saw leprechaun and (laughs) (laughs) probably child's play like all sorts of like these slasher movies from from that era and we all saw them way i was telling my husband about this he goes how old were you i was like definitely under 10 (laughs) yeah i think i was probably about eight yeah 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm definitely under that. And uh, I do believe that Candyman is a little bit more niche within that. It is very specific. I remember, I think, watching it on like BET on television. It would come on at like one and two o'clock in the morning when I was growing up. But it has a lot of folklore. It has a lot of urban legend behind it. I think even specifically within the Black community. And you're right. There's something very iconic about the silhouette. And Tony Todd, shout out for giving so many people nightmares. Tony Todd Uh is awesome i he, love that guy he is delicious he's a beautiful man yeah <laughs> and, and so talented just recently um watched slash rewatched the entire final destination <laughs> series <laughs> and he is he's like the best part of those movies and even though he's only in three of them for like five minutes he he's just awesome. He is, and you know, it's what. Do you ever have those moments where you're just like, "How did I not let my two worlds collide?" He was in Star Trek: The Next Generation. Yes, Worf's brother. Yes, and I'm just like, I we we I months ago, my husband and I did a whole rewatch of The Next Generation, and I kept watching him. I'm like, his face, his presence, his voice. I just kept because he would be in and out of the of the Klingon character as well, so he played other parts. And I'm like, his face, his voice, his face, his voice. And when we were researching this, I'm like, it's Tony! Duh! <laughs> like, hey, yeah. boy, hey! But he's very iconic in this role, and I think he is this role when those, you can't help but sandwich those two together. He has an amazing presence about him. It's just something you just completely, absolutely eat up and you enjoy. Uh, I think he's also the reason why a lot of people of color don't like bees. Um, <laughs> so thanks for that. <laughs> yeah. I honestly had forgotten about the bee thing. Yeah. Yeah. And like, of course, as soon as it it came up, it was like a wave <laughs> coming mm. over me of remembering like bees within the Candyman movie, mm-hmm. or, the original movie. And I was like, I've always been scared of bees. I thought uh? it was X-Files, but maybe it's <laughs> no. Candyman. Maybe no. it's both. <laughs> Make girl, maybe it is both. So I think this is the point where we're gonna probably going to crack into it. So spoilers, if you want to stop and watch it and then come back and talk about it, because I think this movie really I, my husband asked me the tricky question of so what'd you think did you like it and I'm like that's a hard question what I will say is that this is a movie you watch with people and you continue the conversation mm. and I I do love movies like that mm. very very much so so I said this is a continuation this is a conversation continuation so watch it you want to come talk pick it up right here yes i I will not be responsible for spoilers yeah definitely watch it we're going we're going into spoiler territory now (laughs) now girl (laughs) (laughs) what did you think jamaica did you like it actually i did i I actually i is it weird this is negative this is Flipping black people, I'm guilty of this. Why can't we just go in with a positive attitude, like lifting yes. up the community? Why? Yes. Why? We are so hard. I'm, I'm in the category. I'm like, I don't know if it's gonna be good. Candyman. Up till now, Jordan Peele had done these very, like, very unique works, original of, works. Yeah. yeah, you know. And so, to me, you kind of go in there just wanting to, to enjoy the story. Then I'm like. Man, please don't. Please don't make Candyman weird. Please don't. Girl, sidebar, but I was surprised that Jordan Peele was attached to this film just Mm. because I feel like he got a lot of negative pushback when he did his new 
Twilight Zone. And I'm mm. like, I would, if I were him, I would be scared to touch classics. I'm saying this. I enjoyed his Twilight Zone. I watched all the episodes. I liked it. it but oh. I think a lot of people did not. And a lot of people were like, you know, pretty salty about it. And so I was surprised to see him once again, like dipping his toe into something that is so... <laughs> It sounds weird. So beloved. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, like such a beloved it. part mm-hmm. of so many people's like pop culture library. Mm-hmm. Well, once again, when we talk about specifically within people of color, marginalized groups, when we don't have a lot of space, we take what we have very seriously and we really protect it. Like I said, do when people think about Halloween, they think of the Halloween movies, the Jasons, the Freddies, the Chuckies. I think Candyman, unfortunately, in the mainstream is fairly low. Like you're not going to find a lot of people dressed up as Candyman, right? Within mainstream society. So I think specifically within groups and people of color, this you're right, it is beloved and it is sacred it is precious because we don't occupy that space a lot so you're right i thought it was i know they talked about wanting to do a prequel and i was definitely like nah uh, years ago they no. said oh they're gonna try to do a prequel i'm like can we not no i think that that's gonna be way too hard prequels are hard because you have a lot of timeline issues that you cannot screw up so i love that i they am did not this interested idea. in a Candyman prequel i just don't think it'll work <sighs> I I love the for I love the telling of it. I think yeah, the, the telling, telling of, of the, it is part mm-hmm. of it. Girl, yes, and that kind of leads me to the absolute style of this as like the style of this feels love very the yeah. style was so good it was such a it felt like folklore it felt very campfire retelling of it from the cinematography which was chef kiss so good the color palette they decide to use the angles they decide to use of course i want to get into like the deliciousness of the actors and what i thought of casting choices and things of that nature because they're 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 really lovely they did they, they, they did a really good job but the overall feel of it felt I love the multimedia aspect that they use. So that would be like a little taster right there of retelling the story. If you didn't yeah, watch. Yeah, the shadow, the shadow oh, puppets yeah. were beautiful. Oh, my favorite It's so part. simple. So simple, yes. but so beautiful and effective. Yes. And I think we've talked about even the use of shadow. There's something very, it says a president. It has an eeriness to it mm-hmm. that really lends itself to storytelling. Yeah. Uh, so good. I thought that was so clever. And I think it really made you feel part of the movie that the movie was also learning about the story. It was unfolding for them. You guys were going through the developing and figuring out Candyman as well. So for people who didn't know about the 1992 version or weren't familiar, I felt like you were not going to be left out because they did such a good job of catching you up without it taking too much of the movie. It's a very fast paced movie, I think. Um. I don't know if I would agree that it's fast paced. Mm. I think what I what I did enjoy about it was bec- that it did not feel too fast paced. I think I've been watching. I always try to watch 31 horror movies if I can help it <laughs> in October. I love somehow. I, love- <laughs> I don't know how. So I've been watching a lot of horror and I've been watching a lot of more modern horror because I my soft spot is really like 1970s ghost Ugh. possession movies like that's my era so i've been watching a lot of like 2020 2019 horror and 
they're all so quick. There's like no exposition. There's no like laying of the land. Like you don't let the suspense build. It's just like a constant go, go, go. And Mm. I didn't feel that way about this movie. I felt like there was room to breathe. And like you said, like there is a lot of exposition and a lot of storytelling and a lot of building this world of folklore and myth around the Candyman. And I I really appreciated that. I, I thought that it made it more enjoyable for me as an audience member. I even told my husband, who hates horror films, was like, you probably would have liked the first 40 minutes of this movie because yeah. it was not like a slasher fest. It was like very intentional storytelling. And see, I will agree with you on that because I don't, my genre isn't gore. Yeah. That's not my jam. It's probably another reason why I didn't watch any of the sequels of the original Candyman either because its reputation precedes itself. Yeah. I'm not I'm not looking for gore, but once they did such a great job of not glorifying the gore, I think it was part of the story, but that necessarily yeah. wasn't the point and I felt like that is very hard to do. I think what I meant by I guess maybe by the speed is that within an hour and a half, I felt like I got such a good story. Because, mm. you know, with that much, as you say, a storytelling, you would think it would be a two-hour movie. Yeah. So when I saw that it was only an hour and a half, by the time it was ending, I'm like, I felt like I got a good beginning, middle, end. Wow. And, though, yeah, and, it, and, and that's I think true. that's very rare to do in an hour and a half with that much storytelling in it. So I felt like they weren't trying, they didn't string a singular idea of the main character and his search and his pining and his discovery of the Candyman and his connection to it. I felt like they weren't, you know, it wasn't just like get to the point, like we didn't all already know it and just waiting for them to reveal it to us. It was very like, boom, this is a nugget. Boom, this is what's happening right here. This is the connection. This is the draw. This is the impact it's having. And I felt like, but it felt comfortable. I didn't feel like, but wait, have you ever watched movies? You have to, but, but wait, huh? Like in the middle of it. And if I don't have that, huh? Moment, I, I feel like it, that's, that's good writing. Yeah, no, I would agree. I think it was very restrained and intentional with the story. Mm. I do like that. So this is this story takes place in Chicago, which is a really great backdrop. It it centers around a main character. He's an artist uh, named Anthony. He and his girlfriend are kicking it in this lovely apartment. Like she is a curator. Yeah, she's a curator, yeah. and he's an artist. Which that romance is doomed from the start. Really doomed from the start. <laughs> Also, just a little diversion. So we start with her brother mm. and his, I mean, there's there's things before it, but, but their story, the modern day story starts with her brother and his boyfriend. And I mentioned to you before we started recording that I have recently just watched It Chapter 2 for the first mm-hmm. time. And that movie, this is minor spoilers, it's the very beginning of the movie. That movie starts with like this horrific hate crime. And I was just like waiting for that. And I was just like so terrified. <laughs> it's so like triggered. Like I could not. I was so I was so scared. And then nothing bad happened to them. And so I was like, oh, phew, this isn't yeah. that story. That isn't what they're telling here. Yeah, except once again, the restraint, you said it so perfectly. They could have easily gone that route, as we talked about in talking about 
issues, what's going on, social justice issues. It was so refreshing to have that to where once again, it wasn't the exploitation or the continuation of the trauma that we're currently experiencing and that we're seeing on the daily. Yeah. It it chapter two, it's total exploitation. Like that movie was okay overall, but that whole scene was just like total exploitation, never addressed, (sighs) completely unnecessary. Like, whew. Girl, that's thing. A, thanks for the warning. B, ugh. <laughs> yeah. So, Candyman, I don't think is is it is like it's not set up that way. So we we have these these characters in the relationship. Anthony is a struggling artist. If you're creative, you know the struggle. Mad block. He can't seem to do anything else, and really struggling. His girlfriend's brother that Danny mentioned regales the tale of the Candyman, and it's just it's really fun. It really is inclusive, and we see those beautiful shadow puppets working. And I'm totally eating it. I'm going back for seconds, and then it kind of unfolds with Anthony's character deciding to feature the story of Candyman and the influence within that neighborhood in his next series of paintings. Yeah. And so, so it's it's mm-hmm. about the horror of gentrification. Yeah. <laughs> Which is really the really the, the victim and the not the victim but the the villain of the story really. Yeah. <laughs> That's once again, it it talks about these, uh, sorry, I even have like my little, my little notes. So I don't, I don't forget of what it is. So Anthony, he shows his work. It's not well received when bringing up these ideas of gentrification. And it's where I want to kind of land on and spend a little time of talking about the the way white people are played in this movie yes. and are portrayed in this movie. Are we ready to get into that? Yes, let's do it. <laughs> um, I think this response is really is really interesting, the response that he has, in that it is a lot of the response is kind of like, oh, this is overdone. Like, Black people are always talking about gentrification and white people. And, like, but this is, like, a little too literal. Like, I'm just thinking, It's very last Whoa. year. Yeah, yeah. It's super last year. Like, what's the future? What's the next? And it's just, like, you're totally missing the point. Exactly. <laughs> like, but once again, we have these parallels where I'm seeing – you know, I was I was like so telling telling my very white husband of like how white people are being portrayed, but it's like yes, this but this is the response we're getting from things like with police brutality totally. and and Black Lives Matter, and people can say that oh that's over exaggeration, but that is <laughs> it really isn't. This is the response of what's next? We've done this, and that's the response that the main character is getting from his art, and it's it's. It's painful to watch. Actually, there was a line from it that says uh, where this this woman, a white woman critic, talks about Anthony's work and talking about gentrification. And they're having a very – she's having a very snarky response towards his work. Uh, and he's being very honest about his thoughts on gentrification. And she said, your kind is actually yes. to blame. Oh, my God, that line. A, but the thing is she uses this, this whole double dual meaning entendre. She's like, oh, you know – artists when i said so i'm in the bed by the way watching this on my laptop with my husband (laughs) on the other side because it's like i i've got so much work to do so i'm trying not to get like super super ratchet throwing you know what i mean like getting so mad i'm not gonna stop the movie with girl you're kind oh yes yes i mean which uh, hopefully this isn't too soon but like 
to pull that out a little bit more, this movie in its portrayal of white people, it's not just it's not a movie that is made to tell the story of black martyrdom from Mm -hmm. white eyes like it's from black eyes. Um, And so it's really like telling the story of black martyrdom and gentrification and all these things from the black perspective. And it's not it's not an easy task to do. And it's definitely not a comfortable task to do. And I think mm. I think that in this portrayal of white people, like y- you can see that. You can see that yes. lens of how these characters are being looked at. I completely right. Even from teenage girls to other bystanders within the art community, these people that prey victim and their aspects and how they interplay in the story being told by people of color is difficult. And so I think we always talk about towards the end of a movie review, like, who is this movie for? And I wrote my notes and I'm like, I don't know if this is for white people, but, but, but it is. You need to see that intricate role and, and how that is viewed and how that is gazed within the black community when dealing with things like gentrification, like you said, like martyrdom through wrong being wrongfully accused, which is kind of something the 1992 version really hit home. If you're unfamiliar with that, the, the candy man's relationship with the main character of this white woman, Helen, she keeps kind of being in the wrong place at the wrong time, being accused of these heinous crimes and murders that the candy man is actually doing. And I thought for 1992, that was very relevant once again within the black community being wrongfully accused and yeah. so now we have this this you know taking place in 2019 which i, I wrote down i'm like wait candy man don't forget your mask um it was, it was <laughs> we talked about how weird it is to see films kind of come out and looking at this world that they it very intentionally stated was pre-covid and i thought that was very yeah. clever they're like oh 2019 they made it very purposefully said 2019 yeah yeah and that helped me. Thanks, guys. <laughs> but between these interrelationships between white people, girl, the themes. I just have like this list over here when we talk about the role of Candyman within these gentrified neighborhoods and these poor neighborhoods. I mean, off top, we talk about missing people, right? They have missing people in the neighborhood and like no one really looking for them and no one really caring for them and what's going out there. And that is so relevant right now here. One I wanted to talk about with you within this main character is a little hints of like generational trauma and mm. generational curses of talking about the Candyman in itself has strong, dreadful pirate Robertson, I think, like from the Princess Bride. There is no one candy bat necessarily it's this mm-hmm. kind of continuation of this representation of you said of this martyr of this of this black man which once again people should really look into that that folklore of the story but it's i mean they've got a little bit of nature versus nurture here was the candy man always within this main character or was he created by the influences of the culture and people retelling the story it was oh it was just it had so much there to discuss and break into the thing that for me makes like Candyman so larger than life is just the fact that it is very rooted in in reality and this idea that anyone can become the Candyman. Yes. The Candyman is scary in and of himself, but it's really the world that makes the Candyman. And it's like this continued injustice that makes the Candyman. And that feels very real 
<laughs> even even now, even in 2021. To slide back just a bit, the fact that it took place in 2019 was also kind of weird that his big art piece, Anthony's big art piece was Say, say His Name. I thought that was really interesting because that, that tie to, you know, say his name, say her name from the resurgence of Black Lives Matter. Exactly. Just a it, thought I had while you were talking. No, no, no. Exactly. I mean, that's I think they did such a great job. And I think Jordan Peele, his works and works that he's involved in has a great way of interweaving real life to where it's not it's not a slap in the face. No, this is an everyday occurrence for us. And that's what the genre of horror and thrillers within the black community has to be very unique because we deal with real life's horrors every day. And so it's, you know, we talk about, you know, watching these particular genres of horror, like a doll coming to life and murder me. Yeah, that's creepy and scary. But I mean, hearing sirens or seeing a police car with sirens by lots behind you is incredibly scary. And that's something that is a reality that we face every day. And I think being able to harness and portray on screen the mixture of like legitimate real fear and horror within the community there was a line said earlier in the film that the storyteller telling the story of candy main talks about the real face of the true face of fear Mm. and that was within this character hearing the police come Mm. and, and and having that that kind of was like my mantra throughout the rest of the film. I had that line in my mind, watching it as a lens of what is the true face of fear. And it just kind of really set the tone for the entire movie. And I think that's kind of what it's meant to do, of just saying within this community, what is the true face of fear? Is it really Candyman we should be fearing? Is it or is it these razor blades in candy, right? Like Mm -hmm. I think that goes back to these larger themes. This idea that like your parents should be fearful of of razor blades showing up in candy when that doesn't really happen. And that's not like really the stakes we're talking about. I feel like Mm. Candyman as a franchise really grapples with that. And Candyman, this movie in particular, is very the world the system the injustice creates Candyman, but it's also like an individual right like the spoilers is it's like this came from another black man like essentially another black man turned him into the candy man and mm-hmm. so i think it, it goes to all of these fears like we have these fears of all these different things but also these fears in the system is what pits us against each other and mm. i i think that i don't know it, it, it grapples with gentrification and of course like anthony is pointing his fingers to all the white people but his role is like part of the more privileged class as an artist moving in and gentrifying lands like that's the normal <laughs> the normal mm. occurrence of gentrification right the artists move in first and they, they talk about that in the film and so it's yeah. like Candyman, and you can see this with like just the idea that he exists in the mirror right like it's mm-hmm. something that's on the outside but it's also really something that's on the inside of all of us and and yeah I, I thought it was good like i enjoyed it but i think there was a lot of negative reception of this movie people said it was really hollow uh something that really also caught my attention in the making like i said somewhat a black man made the candy man he perpetuated that didn't he yeah but he said something that was like it said we're caught in a loop within the community and i thought i was just like whoop like as a person of color it felt like a call out 
Yeah. Do you know what I mean? A lot of people said it was it was a little shallow, that a little on the nose, uh, a little pointy towards the own black community. You know, there's a lot of mixed reviews. It's still, I think, monetarily grossing fairly well, I believe. But I definitely think the reception to it is definitely mixed. Yeah. And I think to that point, too, this idea of a black man creating the candy man, like the one thing I do want to stray away from, and I think this is probably part of why people have reacted saying it's hollow, is that it seems like a portrayal of black on black crime. But that was like never, that wasn't the feeling that I I got from it. And granted, I'm, I'm an outsider to the community. So take what I say with a grain of salt always. But to me, I read it more as the community making like essentially a martyr out of an unwilling black man, which is something that we see again and again. And this isn't just black communities. This is like all communities Mm. and all communities of color. Like for me, that felt very George Floyd. Like he became this like martyr, but it wasn't like his his willing choice, right? It was something that happened to him. And so I felt like with Anthony, it was a similar sort of situation. Mm. And to me, the way when I was reading it too, it's just like within the community feeling like we need to make this mascot, like as if we don't have enough natural stories already. And that's where I kind of felt like, was Anthony always going to be doomed to it because he had Mm -hmm. this connection? So for some people of color, we feel like because of the tabloids, do we have this wicked within this? Are we just doomed to never really, especially if you've come from more humbler beginnings, are we never going to get out of the, they say the ghetto of these cycles of of abuse of these these cycles of trauma are we just doomed to into it but or are we a product of our community forcing these identities forcing these stereotypes forcing these roles on us you know i i don't know with within that like to me i look at anthony was he going to become the candy man anyway he had right. been struggling for a long time. He was drawn to this area. He didn't know why. He heard the story and there was this instant connection way before he met the person who would then basically finish this transformation. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But at the same time, that him seeking that out and realizing, saying that we almost like we we need him. We need to tell everyone for it. There needs to be a witness of this new Candyman here. It's important. He he created, you know, he was, it was uh, towards the end of the movie, this remaking, this reconjuring of a candy man happened in this church. It was this ritual done. In a church too, yeah. which is very intentional, right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. He said of the, almost like this, this baptism, which is like in baptism symbolizing you're dying when you go back in the water, when you come back, you're supposed to be brought to life, this new person. And I think there's something really purposely done within that of killing these parts of Anthony so he can come back and be this figure that was supposed to innate fear, which then was supposed to help get the community within itself and also for outsiders in line is this dual purpose right right and then to that point too just to bring into that scene the fact that his girlfriend witnesses this whole thing yes brianna witnesses this whole thing and then she is told tell everyone like she hears the whole story like and tell everyone Mm -hmm. like it's about her her destiny as well right of being Mm -hmm being the voice of the story and Mm -hmm. the role of black women 
in this world. You know, I I don't know. I think that there I'm I'm hesitant to like really accept that it's hollow. Like, I think that there is a lot that can be unpacked in in this movie. I really, really do. I to me, when I hear talking about how it was short and didn't have enough depth, I'm like, to me, I'm almost overwhelmed by where we can really start digging and feasting. I feel like it's a buffet and you can just really dive in there and go for it. Even the fact that the the, the Brie character, the main character's girlfriend, conjures Candyman. Yeah. She lives. And, and she, she lives. Is per- she's basically protected from the police who kind of come towards there and there is violence and there are shots fired. And that was not what I was expecting whatsoever. And I, it kind of revamped and transformed this role of Candyman just kind of being this sadistic, you say his name, he appears, he th- slashes some throats willy-nilly, doesn't matter who says it. But I feel like this movie starts purposely putting into, yeah, he's a behavior modificator, right? Right? Like, that's what a lot of scary Bloody Marys, the Candyman's are supposed to be in there to monitor your behavior, right? Like, you better be good. You better not do this or Candyman or Bloody Mary or all the people chilling on the other side of the mirror going to get you. But it really felt like this silent protector and why he kind of emphasized tell everyone, mm-hmm. both within the community and outside the community, those who mean to do harm and those who are struggling within the community as well. I thought like a buffet girl, buffet, get a plate, go for seconds. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think there's definitely horror movie purists who won't like it. Mm-hmm. But these are the same people who probably didn't like Get Out either. Like, exactly. I think if you're looking for a particular brand of horror, this might not be the film for you. And I think there's definitely there's slasher bits, there's blood, there's guts, there's suspense, there's these things. But I think like Peel's other movies, I think it's it's really the look at the world and our own internal realities that is what what is really the scary part of these mm. movies yeah so that all being said i would definitely rank this at the bottom of of jordan peele's horror movies <gasps> really? uh, for me for me mm. yeah i would say i would rank them get out us Candyman. Ooh, and see, I think I haven't seen us, so I really can't speak on it. So I'll ha- she'll have to be bottom because you know them's the breaks. But I, I think I liked Candyman. Really? I, here's the storyline. I love the original story of Get Out, and that was so for me. Watching it was such a wow. I, I saw myself. I, I saw things I cared about. I, it was. There was a lot, a lot. As far as I think between picking my two children, I think it had to come down with the feel and style. If I had to like nitpick, I love mm. the feel of like when you talk about like what your jam is, there was something a little bit more, not nostalgic, but it felt more storytelling. Even though I'm not a gory person and sometimes the blood, even I don't think it's really that bad. It kind of got to me a squeamish bit. I, I love the aesthetic. I love the feel. I love how that story kind of unfold a little bit better than Get Out. To me, that movie is always going to be incredibly unique and special. It's going to be very poignant. And I'm actually really excited of the influence of Get Out, I think, is going to have. I think that movie is a lot more influential within the culture and filmmakers as a whole, more so than Candyman. Candyman's, I feel, is like enjoyment 
course it is a social piece, but I'm like, ooh, I think because it's tied to something that was already in existence. Yeah, I don't know, but I would be interested to hear what you think of us after you see it, because based on all of this, I feel like you would probably like us the best ooh. of the three. All right, I'm gonna have to put that on my on my list. So yes. I will have to definitely do that. Yeah, for me, just Get Out is such a great, like, it's a great film, despite, like, even if you take horror out of the equation, like, it's a great film. And there is, I've seen it five times. (laughs) I've seen it so (laughs) many times. And I think it was definitely the most scary the first time I saw it. Oh yeah, and it's it's lost some of that that edge. the The next couple times, it was like became the game of like seeing all the clues scattered about. But I think having watched it as many times as I have, like it's really become unpacking more and more of the commentary, the societal commentary. Every time I watch it, Us is similar in a sense that it is. It also has like a social message. It's a lot less overt than either. Get Out or Candyman. It does. It has like a lot of that social commentary and dealing with privilege and the way the unseen ways that privileged people benefit at the expense of others. Mm. And I don't know. It also is just a beautiful style. Like Get Out has stylistic qualities, especially in like the filmmaking and the way that it's shot. I think Us has more more overt design qualities. And I think Candyman also has like that similar like overt design qualities to mm. to it that they all feel very linear to me, like watching the three. Like I can see see mm. how they relate. Yeah. So I, I really think you should watch us. I will. I think I think that's gonna have to be bumped up. I, if it's not gonna be now, then when? <laughs> then when? I uh... I appreciate Jordan Peele, even though we both talked about how his involvement in the Candyman wasn't incredibly overt. But that's what makes it really exciting, isn't it? That there seems to be more presence within the genre. It doesn't have to be up to him to uphold it. Of course, we're going to always say like, oh, this is a very Peele style of genre. But I'm hoping it's going to be something that is bigger than him within this mm. particular field. And and that that excites me. I think that's what excites me, not the most, but it, when I look at things like The Candyman, I'm like, yes, more, more of these, where there's going to be more representation, more stories told from a different lens and perspective, one that involves things that are very tangible and, and relatable and necessary to talk about in society and in, interweave that, you know, thinking about I, I'm a 90s, early 90s. That's my jam. Like the screams, like the I know what you did last summer. There's something about that time period that's just so ridiculous. But all those things, people did something, right? They did something for that to happen to them. It's kind of like, well, mm. maybe you shouldn't hit and run or, you know, maybe you shouldn't be a psychopath. Like all those things that involve like this kind of <laughs> maybe you, you know, should be a psychopath. Psychopath. Yeah, yeah, you know. <laughs> you know, all, all these things, but something like that, that has to deal with like systems are what's actually horrific. Those are what's causing the pain and the horror and the tyranny. That is so interesting. That is so, so interesting. And uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing where it it has, what, what's next, you know? So. Yeah. I think what's interesting about the horror of Jordan Peele to that extent is like you said, it's not necessarily about 
what you've done, but it's kind of like who you are and what society has done to you. And I think us turns that on its head a little bit too. Mm, you're just going to be like, three movies. If I'm I just going to keep telling you yeah, why you should watch it. If I have us. not watched it next time we talk to you, I'm afraid you're going to be legitimately like, girl, what do we even have to talk yeah. about? No, there's like, there's so much in there. There's stuff about race, but there's also like stuff about gender. Like here's some minor spoilers. One of the characters, do you know anything about the movie? I actually, I do. I know, I know. Yeah. About the premise and probably a little too much because people are terrible, but I didn't listen. So, so tell me what you know. So I don't spoil it. Family moving into a new house and there's this or into a new area apparently. And the main character woman meets like this parallel version of herself that's actually not necessarily as evil as it turns out to be and there's no language so wrong oh is it not okay then i don't know anything about us i know there's there's scissors (laughs) and lupe yeah i mean i i could see how that interpretation might happen but that that is not that is not the movie at all i know Um, nothing about it anyways there there is one character i won't go into too many specifics as to not ruin it but there is a female character who is who is evil and who is like probably the scariest character in a film where like half of the characters are scary and she she just smiles the entire time. And all I could think was like this this phenomenon of of strangers telling women they'd be prettier if they smiled more. <gasps> She's just like so evil and so scary and she just smiles the whole time. So like stuff like that, I think like mm. these these really subtle commentaries that you can just like tease out of the movie is so so great. Uh, I'm already like so sleep deprived and now I'm like, I have to stay up and watch this movie. Like I have to, and I might, but I'm going to give you like a rundown of it. I'm like, girl. <laughs> yeah. No, I think us is the scariest of the three. Okay. Oh, okay. Oh shoot. Okay. All right. Well, yeah. Now I have homework. So do you unicorns if you haven't done all three yet. So let's get to a red box. I just, it's, I'm not going to lie. It's, I forget about red boxes. I haven't been in America for a while. And then when I saw one, I'm like, did they make it? Are they still alive? Are they still like, they still here? (laughs) You can also, you can also rent a movie and stream via like red box. Like oh, it's, you, oh, you can stream Redbox? Yeah, but it's not as cheap as getting the DVD. So, mm, what a DVD? What is a DVD? This? It's like an old fashioned <laughs> Blu ray. Oh, <laughs> I just can't. We have like these, like when you move, right? That's completely off topic. But it's just like we moved and we have not that we have tons, we have boxes of DVDs, but we just don't watch a no. lot of dvds it's a lot of just streaming or whatever especially because a lot of them are you know grown-up ones i have a kid so i'm like huh well this is archaic like it's just very strange i will say i do own get out and us on on blu-ray you spent you oh you spent that blu-ray money no blu-ray was cheaper than dvd i don't know why oh (laughs) they were five bucks each (laughs) oh okay and oh. I was like, I've streamed these enough and like needed to rent them enough that I should just buy, spend $5 and own them. If Danny's going to buy something to own it, it is worth it. So, okay. I'm, that is the case for, for us. So I'm going to go do it. So any last thoughts on Candyman or Jordan Peele? I feel bad. We didn't really talk much about 
the rest of the production team or the director. <laughs> I, I know. Oh my, well, Normally we're really good about it, but like, that's what I'm talking about. There was so much. And I still feel like this is like a scattering, like you, I've, I don't feel bad because we told you to go watch it beforehand, <laughs> but I feel like you would really have to watch it to kind of, to follow along with the conversation, but it's a great team. And I feel that it's an, it's a, it's an important film to watch, I believe. So go watch it. If you're a unicorn, really enjoy it in the nuances. And I think it'd be so great to make sure in a place where you can have a really good conversation afterward. Uh, trigger warning if like violence, uh, blood, it really gets to you. Probably, probably not. I don't think it's overt, but that's just for your safety. If you're one of our conspirators, it's not about you, but it's also about you. So go in with that mind frame. <laughs> So yes. what about you, Danny? Yeah. We do want to do just a quick shout out to Nia DaCosta, who directed it young, younger than us. <laughs> um, Wait, what? Yeah. And she, this is like the second movie she directed. Third movie. Back on it. Seriously? Second movie. Second movie. But she was also working on the Marvels at about the same time, which is supposed to come out next year. And so the her other movie was like, uh, I haven't seen it. Have you? Little Woods? No. She wrote and directed it. And I think she, it, it was a short film. And then she raised money via Kickstarter to get, to get like $5,000 to make like the full version. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> but I think it has like a really, really strong direction and I am not familiar with Little Woods and obviously I'm not going to go see the Marvels when it comes out. But I am interested in her work and I'm I'm interested in where she'll go. And clearly, like she has a lot of a lot of promise, like to have such mm-hmm. a strong vision in the film for it being yes. only her second film. That is flipping amazing. You would never guess. You're just like your second film. You're right. The presence is very strong. The choices are very clear. They're not muddled. They're not scattered. You know how some people try to go in and do the most? I'm guilty of that. But you know what I mean? Like they try to go in and try to be all things. And I feel like this is very, very, very clear, clean work. So go ahead. I'm very excited. Cool. Uh, Shall we shift gears and talk about our happy place? Yeah, we could do that. Damika, what's your happy place? I want to keep on theme purposely keep on theme and it's just something really silly not guys silly but something small headstone cleaning like people who, i thought it would be really i thought it was something really sweet i caught it on my instagram ages ago uh, people who go to graveyards and like clean headstones that have been either overgrown or taken by moss and they'll just watch them one the cleaning process can be very cathartic but two i think there's something really beautiful about it i don't know is that weird i think there's something really you know uh, living overseas there's some really super old headstones and really some taken over abandoned graveyards and someone going in there and cleaning up and scrubbing and kind of bringing to i mean excuse the pun back to life (laughs) an area is something really endearing and sweet i think they don't have any connection and a lot of people don't get paid they just kind of just do it as a hobby for some folks and 
I don't I don't I don't know why that was just something really kind of sweet and endearing to me. I love it. I I think it's very like Dia de los Muertos vibes of like mm. the care of, you know, that space. Mm, um, maybe that's why I'm drawn to it. It's so sweet. I don't I, I keep saying I think it's just really sweet. <laughs> well, uh, what about what about you? What's making you happy? All right, I'm going to go with something also a little bit in theme. So you mentioned earlier that convergence of worlds of horror and Star Trek. (laughs) Um, Here comes my personal convergence of worlds of horror and Star Trek. So I also, in addition to watching all the scary movies, I'm into doing this Mab's Drawloween artist Mab Graves puts out this list every year of prompts for every day of October for people to do art based off of it. And so I've been doing it for a few years and doing embroidery and stitching based off of these different prompts. And so this past week, there was Labyrinth was one of the themes. And so I went with a character from the movie Pan's Labyrinth that is... The, the character is called the Pale Man who has the, the eyeballs on the hands. And so I, I stitched it. And who commented on my stitching other than the actor who portrays that character, Doug Jones, <gasps> who also plays Saru on Star Trek. And I was no. just so starstruck that <gasps> Doug Jones commented on my Instagram. So that's my happy place. <gasps> Did you like, did you like take like a screenshot of that? Oh, totally. Totally. Oh my goodness. (laughs) It's like the biggest nerd thing. Cause like, I think, I don't know if there's a lot of people who would know who Doug Jones is. Like, if you saw him, you would know him because he plays all the tall, skinny characters. Like, he's in Hocus Pocus, he's in Uh everything. But yeah, I was just very starstruck. I would be. Oh my goodness, Danny, that's amazing. Yeah, so I'm basically famous now. <laughs> yeah. Oh, girl, I hope I hope you can still do this show in in between. We'll see. That is so amazing. I'm obsessed. Yeah. I uh, I love. I'll enjoy your work. I have to do like the one a week thing because I cannot dedicate your. I don't honestly. Sorry, once again, gushing. My friend Danny is obviously a witch because there's no way within her schedule she can also like hand stitch embroider these amazing detailed i know they're small and i know she'd be like but they're small but they're beautiful they have so much detail she's got this gorgeous repeating pattern on the background i know i'm gushing but it's just so i'm always just in in awe of like of your talent and your skill and your eye and you're just so sure of your like aesthetic and i just think it's really lovely and i really enjoy it and it's something admirable i'm a cancer in my sun and my moon so <laughs> yeah, yeah, my my hot take, my tip for mm-hmm. anyone in that that level of confidence and your aesthetic. It's like just do you. That's yeah. that's me. I'm like I don't I don't think about aesthetic or worry about any of that too much. I just I just do me. But there's um, something when I see I'm like I'm like that is a very Danny thing because it's just like this is what she likes and she's unapologetic in that. And I think there's a lot of people who really struggle in that. And I think that's something that I'm not going to say it's effortless because I'm sure like you have a journey like everybody else. But I think it's just very like like you said like just do like I screw that. I think you've reached a level of screw that 
I this is what I like a lot faster than I think a lot of other people. You're very gifted. Oh, yeah. in, in I, the I hit that wall when I was like 13. <laughs> so yeah, just so like, yeah. I've I mean, been comfortably settled <laughs> in that space. You're a savant in, <laughs> in in the world of just like I'm like screw you, screw that, f this, I'm gonna do me. So I think you're definitely a savant. I feel like I feel like you're there too, though, Tamika. Like I see that in you, and especially having known you for so long, like mm-hmm. I've seen I've seen that change in you I think that you're just like very much yourself and comfortable in your own skin and just like this is who I am like if you can't if you can't deal, you can't deal. Like, I don't have time for that. Um, I think so I see that. I, in yeah. You. Oh, thanks, Boo. I think that's what it is. I don't think it's even like necessarily comfort in my own skin. It's me being very hypersensitive of time. Like, I, <laughs> it's, fair. I'm, I'm very it's hypersensitive fair. of just like how much time we don't have and time is we talked about this before i that's a precious commodity to me time is a very precious it's, tangible thing it is it's all we have like when it comes down to it like that's all we have girl i didn't know this this was going to turn metaphysical <laughs> see october just brings the best out of us but it is true and so i think for me it's not even if i'm uncomfortable and i doubt myself and all all the things in between i just realize wow i really don't have this is the definition of i don't have time for this I don't have time for you. So either you're with me or you're not with me. Either you're about me or you're not about me. So. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, So unicorns, we want to hear from you. Like, where are you? How did you get there? Mm. Also, what's your ranking of Jordan Peele horror films? I really want to know. She does. (laughs) I really do. Uh, You can reach us. <laughs> you can reach us all the normal ways. You can send us an email by racialunicorns at gmail.com. You can find us on social media. We are on Facebook and Instagram at biracialunicorns, and we are on Twitter at biracialmagic. We want to give a spooky shout out to <laughs> to the wonderful Dolly Pop Art, who's made our very iconic unicorn photo. It is so cute, y'all. Go check out her stuff. Go to her Instagram right now. Follow her. She has Halloween themed stuff going yeah. right now, too. So. Yeah. Yes. So go, 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 go. Quick, quick, quick. We want to also give a huge shout out to South Miss Photography, who has done some of our photos in person. She is doing shoots. I think the holidays are coming up. If you want to fly her out, if you want to go to Oklahoma, do that. She's at South Miss Photography on Instagram. We also want to say thank you so much to Joseph Scott of Citizens of Tape City. They have new stuff coming out. Please go check their Instagram as well. Go download, stream, and follow all of their stuff. It's such an important thing to uh, love and support our community. And if you have some time, like if you need to do something while you watch a scary movie so you're not so scared please like us uh give us all the high ratings give us a review that really helps us within the the monster of the algorithm which we have an episode about that so you should listen to that one too so Yes. You can also just always reach out and let us know what sorts of things you want to hear on the show. We're totally open, totally receptive. We want it to feel like a dialogue. So we hope to hear from you. All right. So we will be back next week with a spooky sode. Stay tuned to see if there's the return of Tamika's ghost light, light ghost. <laughs> Mm, like a ghost light is something else it's not it's a light ghost (laughs) i'm about to say i was like i'm like oh it's theatrical in here it's amazing (laughs) it's always theatrical in here (laughs) isn't it just (laughs) yeah we'll also be back in two weeks with another full episode yes i'm so excited (laughs) all right peace oh